Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Somebody To Me podcast, where we have meaningful conversations with influential somebodies focusing on their mentors and unsung heroes that help them to get to where they are today. It takes a village to build anything. It takes a community to care about something. And it takes a plethora of individuals to come into our lives at different moments to change it forever. I'm your host, Sam Dannon. And if you think you have to actualize your dreams alone, somebody to me is a reminder that you don't. I found Deanna while I was scrolling for hours on Instagram. And thank goodness for the internet, because what I found was someone whose work not only caught my attention, but also this powerhouse of a woman who offered a vibrant look into her life. It was as if she took her illustrations and literally allowed them to interact with her in real life. Please check her work if you think I sound crazy. Her art and design has graced clients such as Nike, MoMA, PS1, Google, Samsung, Coachella, and more. But Koval, her moniker, which stands for Craft Onward Versatility and Lifestyle, maintains its freedom through prints, home goods, and numerous collaborations. Koval is a creative foundation for her storytelling through multimedia outcomes. Her personal foundation, however, is attributed to her family, her tribe, and particularly her father who taught her the value of hard work and commitment. Someone who listens to her mind, body, and spirit. This is somebody to me, Deanna Nunez. Also beautiful art behind you. That's great. Thank you. This is my friend Bonnick. He goes by the art of Albazir. Um, and then a little Andy. Just nice. a little little Andy. You know, mm-hmm. some light, you know. Strawberry, some light, some nice and a little splash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we are. Okay. My first question. Mm-hmm. Who is the first person that you remember influencing the work you do now? Oh, wow. Such a good question. It's a lot Um, to unpack. Yeah, I'm all for the unpacking. You know, I I got mash it to unpack. Good. (laughs) I I think my first memory of of that would be I I just got off a panel where they asked me like uh, artists and creatives that you know inspire me and I I I always have to give my hats off to Heidi Stewart. She she is a UK based illustrator. Um, I think what really gravitated me towards her work was her use of color and her playfulness and wittiness in her and her colors and, and her art pieces. And it just really made me feel like I, I had a way of being in a place that I could belong in. So she really was my first memory of inspiration when it comes to the terms of like art and creativity. How did you discover her? I mean, just with anything else, I mean, we get really infatuated with an idea and, you know, we get consumed with, you know, how do we want to pivot and, and find something that we love doing. And so I just did a lot of research, you know, I, 
I always say that I am a student in this craft and I graduated from YouTube University. So I'm always on Google. I'm always, you know, researching my way through things. If I don't get it, I Google it. Um, and I, I just found her through that. And then from her, I found Steve Harrington and then I found all these other illustrators that really were able to portray their sense of style and uniqueness through color and, and wittiness. So I would say it's just, just a mere notion of research. You know, I love how that happens. And I love how that, you know, we, we could afford the resources nowadays. Remember when I was a kid, I was drawing Marvin the Martian over and over and over again, because that was all that was available to me in my little, you know, art class. And then my brother introduced me to the Adobe Suite. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what graphic design was just in general. But if I, you know, relate it back to my own childhood, that's, I could, I could point out those pivotal moments. Were you always creative as a kid? And did your parents point that out to you? Did you find that out for yourself? I, I definitely grew up in a creative environment. Um, my siblings are, till this day, incredible artists. Um, they have always inspired me in that sense. And ever since I was a kid, I would see them sketching and all that sort. And also, you know, my parents have a lot of history and painting in terms of like carpentry and painting a lot of the buildings that we now see on Ocean Drive. Um, so I, I did grow up in the environment, but that wasn't something I discovered until my, my mid twenties that, oh, I've always been storytelling to a certain extent, um, whether it was in fashion or blogging or whatever have you. Um, but I, I didn't understand the essence of it to that, to the preciseness of where it is now and understanding that um, art and creativity has always been a part of my life. It's just now in my mid twenties till now, I'm, I'm starting to see that you know, this has always been kind of embedded in my DNA. And I just never gave it time and day. And so I really sat down to understand what did I want to do for the rest of my life? Um, and that was always storytelling. And, and once I realized that, I found art. You know what? It's funny because I know that you were, you're a Miami native, right? Now you live in Brooklyn. I've not been to Miami. I know... And I understand and I've re researched the architecture, you know, the color palettes, just the, be the beauty, the beauty in it all. Do you think that your environments, say, whether it be Miami, whether it be New York, whether it be the places you've traveled to have also inspired where all of this kind of culminates and comes from? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think every artist has its... Uh has its thing where they really, you know, lean into. And I, I feel like me being as a sponge, I, I tend to lean in that everything is everything essentially. And my environments really allow me to express that from time to time in my artwork. So I, I definitely would say that Miami environment, the tropical, the vibrancy, the culture definitely played a huge influence into my artwork. And even now that I live in New York, the hustle, the vibrancy, the personalities and, and, and even the architecture here still plays a, a huge role into my artwork. So being a sponge, that goes with me wherever I go. And I'm forever inspired by wherever I am. I'm, I'm so excited for you to say that because it really opens your eyes to 
a lot of different things that could inspire your work. I think that's, I think what's interesting is you said you're mid 20s. What a funny time for you to have discovered when you're like at the cusp of, I don't know, I'm getting out of my high school, college mentality over to like my adulthood. Yeah. Tell me about your first creative job. Were there creative jobs? Like what, what was this like? Uh, you know, I've always um, contributed that part of my life, the creative part of my life in my mid-20s to the power of suggestion. So I've always had either, you know, loved ones or really close friends of mine suggest that, hey, I know that you're into this and I feel like you're not utilizing your skill set to the utmost potential. Why don't you try doing this? And so I, I've always leaned into that. Um, anytime someone comes up to me and they tell me, you know, I really think you should do X, Y, and Z, I take it as constructive and I feel like it's an opportunity for me to step back and really actualize um, the bigger picture and things. And um, my first creative job was actually an internship that I had for this Miami brand um, where it was just her and I, and she needed content, she needed media, she needed photos, she needed videos. And I took on that role to, to fulfill those, those necessities as much as I can. And within that, that's when I started to realize that you know, whether it's in media, whether it's editing video, or whether it's creating a graphic, um, the essence of storytelling is what I really gravitate towards. And no matter how you format it, or no matter how you say it or picture it, that's what I want to do. Um, and then after my internship, I went into working for other creative agencies. Um, and, and within that scope of work, I learned um, how I did not want to work in the creative fields. Like there, there's a lot of discrepancies and things that go in the creative agencies that a lot of people don't really get to see, but creative agency work is hard. And um, it does tend to strip you from that creativity because at the end of the day, you do have to adhere to the clients, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I would say it's the internship first and then pivoting into creative agencies, but every, sector of that was a lesson learned for me and, and it led me up to this moment. People do not know how hard working for an agency is. Let's say that one more time. <laughs> oh so man. Yes. And you know, I there's very few agencies that really embody the essence of creative and creativity. Um, and, and, and I understand why that doesn't happen often, because when you think of creativity in the bigger scheme of things, um, and then you try to implement some kind of workflow and structure, those things are going to go head to head from time to time. But what really differentiates that is leadership. And most people in creative agencies that do leadership should not be in leadership. <laughs> mm -mm. Let's just, let's just for be real for sure. My first intern internship turned job. Um, I really, I really did leave because of leadership mm -hmm. and it's really sad because I love the work and prior it was like my dream job. And I think there's, there's so many things that kind of like go, go into it as far as like projects and dealing with a lot of things that are parallel to each other. And, you know, like you said, leadership, but also access or lack thereof within the agency itself. But it's always great to have had that experience, right? Oh, sure. 
so, so important to have that. I know that a lot of my close friends at the time that I was going through that, besides my college friends that were in graphic design with me, my friends weren't into art or the creative field, only like my brother and my college friends, like I said, but for you, did you have friends that were kind of going through the same thing as you? Did you have resources to tell you this is how you get an internship? This is what you do in an agency? What What's that? Like, who, who are they? Where were they at? <laughs> I, I mean, to be quite honest, I feel like at the time that I was embarking on this new journey, I was kind of walking into a, a dark room. I, I really didn't have much guidance. Um, I was essentially creating and paving this narrative that no one has done before. And so when you do that, you tend to find yourself very lonely and you also tend to find yourself being the weird one. Like, are you, like, you want to, you want to freelance? Like you want to, you want to do art for the rest of your life by yourself? You don't want to work with somebody? Like, and then, and then you tell that to your family and they're like, how are you going to make money? Like, how are you going to do all these things? So I really walked into this with my eyes closed, just really essentially betting on myself and, and knowing that, um, that if I implemented the same things I implemented in my nine to five, which is hard work, discipline, communication, some extensive leadership, that I could do this for myself. Um, and, I, and I wish I had the resources. I wish I had a mentor. I wish I had someone to really guide me. But I, I'm glad that it kind of went the way that it did because now I'm sitting at a point where um, everything that's around me, I cultivated and, and I've set the tone and set the bar for that. And it works for me. And no one else can come into that and be like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this um, when they can see plain as day that it's worked. You are the example. You are. The <laughs> Thank <example>. you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but there needs to be more examples like that. I do think that there is a lack of mentorship, which is weird because this is, this is even a really big hot point for the somebody to me podcast. I, I feel the same as you in a lot of ways where I could, I heard the word mentorship all the time as I was growing up in my 20s when I'm reaching that transitional point where I'm graduating, I know I need to go from internship to real job, I'm freaking my parents out. And I'm like, oh, I know there's mentors out there, but who is it? Why would they care about me? It's tough. I will say, you know, I could attest to your situation where you did bet on, I bet on myself as well. But I will say that there were a lot of personal relationships that I had, be it not creative, that gave me a lot of good insight on pushing forward, working hard. I can relate that to my dad. What's kind of the best, I guess, personal advice that you've received from those around you to that you've probably, that's chimed into your life throughout these stages? Man. It's crazy because my family is not very vocal when it comes to that. So I haven't really heard much. And when I first started out, they were just like, really like, oh, you, you sure? Like, you know, my, my father and my mom thought I was going to be like in a, in a more legal kind of industry. And I was just like, why? Like I'm the last person to ever argue. But uh, I, I think, I think the reoccurring advice and the reoccurring theme is really just to put my blinders on and this is if I want to do it then I need to do it 1000 percent 
um, when, when I think about the history of my family and even when I think about the hustle of my family and specifically my dad, it's, it was, it was all or nothing. And I, and I think I adapted, I adopted that, that mentality is if I was going to really do this art thing, it was all or nothing. And even when I had conversations with relatives that didn't get it, they were like, but what if you, what if you don't make it? And I was like, that's not an option it's really all or nothing. Like it's either I make it or I'm knocking on your door and I'm like, hey, can I stay with you? <laughs> you know, it's, and, and they're like, what about plan B? What about C and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and to me it was, if I, me personally, if I was to implement those choices, I think it would make me more lazy because I'm like, oh, if this doesn't work, then I have this, you know? I, I really wanted to be like, if this doesn't work, it does not work. And I need to really focus on that. And, and I feel like that was a lot of the fuel to, to my hustle and to ensuring that I got to the places that I went to because if it didn't work out, I didn't have a plan B. But also it was a love for it that I had. Like, I really love what I do. And I, I know people say this all the time, but I love it so much that I've literally broken a lot of barriers and a lot of generational um thresholds because i love what i do so much that i wanted to show the rest of my family and those to come after that if this is what you want to do you can Im implement those same principles and get to where you want to be um but that was that was a reoccurring theme all or nothing so i was like put all my chips in and i went for it especially like moving to new york like when you think about the whole transitional phase between miami to new york you're like how does one even, even? <laughs> Could you tell me about that? Because I, well, I mean, there were a couple, there were a lot of gems that you just said, just, you know, more recently. Um, but yeah, let's, let, let's go to that then. Just even you, your journey from Miami to New York. What wow. happened? How to happen? Why to happen? Um, I, to be honest, I did not want to move to New York. I, because when I was in the fashion industry earlier in my 20s, I was in and out of New York all the time. Every month I was here just working, getting work done, and I'll go back home. And I always saw New York as a place that wasn't not attainable, but just wasn't a place where I thought I could see myself in. And so later in my mid-20s, you know, got the opportunity to move here. And I was like, I Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I, I never pictured myself there. I wanted to move to Atlanta, you know, like rent was cheaper and the art community there was just beginning to blossom. So I, I thought I could have a hand in that. But for me, spiritually, I, I, I do sit in silence a lot and I, I do reflect a lot. And I, I do believe that when I'm pushed and pulled in a certain direction, that is just a mere sign that I need to follow that intuition and, and, and give it a whirl. And that goes back to the all or nothing. And I knew that if I would have stayed in Miami or if I would have stayed in Atlanta, I would have been playing the contentment card. And that's not who I am as a person. I didn't want to be content. I didn't want to settle. I knew that in order for me to evoke change or to experience some kind of growth, I had to push myself where I was uncomfortable. And that was moving to New York. 
so that was that was just the premise of it. I I had to do it. I didn't have a choice. Um, the universe was telling me that this is where you need to be. And I remember that week when I got the news that we were moving to New York. I was just like my whole world was just like the vibration and the energy that I felt between mind and spirit and body was um, a feeling that I have still have not forgotten about. And it's been three years and that was just a moment where I acknowledged that this has changed. This is what it feels like. It feels really uneasy and scary, um, but this is what you want in order to get change and in order to get some kind of success. You know, I always tell people that, you know, you can't see success or accomplishment if you don't feel how to try and error. Like they go hand in hand, you know, like you just, you have to try. And I think when you think about my life, when I think back to my life and everything that goes with it, um, everything has been just me really gunning for it and just going for it. Woo. You are <laughs> just, it, that's, that kind of thing is very courageous. When you landed your feet in New York, did you hit the ground running? Who are the people that were there that you felt like, okay, I'm leaving my OG, like my, I'm leaving my home. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to New York. I'm going to, I'm going to plant. I'm going to plant myself in here. Who are the people around you that made you have a sense of home in New York? I mean, to be honest, when I, when I first landed here in New York, I went into a really deep seasonal depression um, between the culture shock and also going from such warm, vibrant weather to a very cold, you know, concrete state of living. It, it was a major shift for me, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. So I experienced that within the first couple of months of living here. Um, but, uh, you know, me moving here alone was enough um was enough evidence for my family to acknowledge that i was really serious that i was going to pave way whichever way i could i could afford to do so and from that moment on they not saying that they were never supportive but they really understood the whole premise of what i wanted to achieve and they really poured more love and support into my cup and um, they were there checking on me constantly and making sure I was good. And, and then I cultivated a little tribe here in no time. And, you know, my, you know, New York can be very fast paced and, and, and very vast and, and, and a lot, but in, in the same breath, there's a lot of people that are understanding and they want to welcome you. They, cause they too are going through it and they want to create this support system for you. And in return, you want to do the same for them. So I was able to cultivate that little tribe and get a little support system. And that made my transition a lot more digestible, I guess you would say. Tell me about this tribe because the older you get, the tighter your tribe gets, I feel mm -hmm. right. The older you get, the more you're in tune with the people you want to surround yourselves with. Obviously, you lose some, you gain some along the way. But once you're just new in New York, uh, you you go through these these phases, very personal, that you you came in there alone and you're rebuilding this community for yourself. Tell me where you find these people and how do you find these people and how do you connect 
I mean, you know, I remember my dad always being like, you know, Liana, you're going to grow up one day and you're going to only have a handful of friends. And those friends are going to be your people. And I just remember being so young and being like, all right, dad, whatever. And now I'm 30 and I'm like, I have a handful of friends <laughs> that are my tribe. And I, I think how I cultivated that tribe or I found that tribe is just a sense of maturity of myself and over time and understanding how do I want to show up for people and how I would like for people to show up for me. And mind you, that first year of living here, I did experience those loss of relationships with certain people. Um, but in that same vein, I learned those lessons and I did actualize that, okay, this relationship or this friendship didn't work out. Um, but now I know this is not the kind of friend I need. Um, and this is not the kind of friend I want to be. And so over time, learning those lessons, losing friendships, gaining new ones. I can now say the tribe that I have now is the most respectful, loving, caring, hardworking group of people that I can ever, that I, I, I would never imagine. Like I have a solid group of friends and they, they all play their part in some way and I play my part in some way. And when we all come together, um, it feels like a sisterhood. It feels really tight. It feels really warm. And, um, and that's something that I personally lacked, you know, growing up. And to have that now, I, I just feel so grateful to have that and to have like-minded people and women that can see me for me and I can see them for them. And it's always eye level. It's never, you know, above anybody else. It's very humble and it's very rooted. And I, I feel like that's something that I wish everyone could have because um, the more you garner accomplishments and the more you garner success, the more you need that, that rooted support system. For sure. sure. I, I feel like too, something that I really cherish about having tight knit friends is it, it sounds so maybe so naive to say it like this, but because you know that they're so great and because you know they're so tight and you know that they're so talented and they're into their craft and what they're doing, you want to do that too. You yeah. you want to carry your own weight. You're like, oh, well, I want to contribute to the cool. Like, yeah, something. Like, you know, and, and it, like you said, when you do come together, it just becomes this big thing. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite magic to happen. Mm -hmm. When you see all your friends winning, everybody's yeah. winning, everyone's winning. And then you come together and you create this magic potion. And that is, it is a lot of, a lot of people don't experience that or they do. And then it falls out and you just go through these phases in life in general, you find the people that you relate to, which is why you create these really deep relationships with them. But you know, your, your dad was right. Yeah. I remember my mom, my mom saying that to me in high school and I was like, mom, I have a lot of friends. Okay. Yeah. What are, you about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was like 25. And now <laughs> if I'm I were glad, now I'm glad I don't have 25. Oh. Like 25 is too much. Like, yep. It's just, yeah, it, I think, yeah, they were just so right. But that came from experience. You know, my yeah. dad was simply speaking from experience and through his own livelihood and what he had to go through. And so to see it happen to me, I'm like, oh, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like maturity and experiencing loss, experiencing high and lows with people, that's a thing. And in the end, what you get is those people that see you for you 
And that's all you crave at the end of the day. Like all you ever want is people that are right here with you, that are rooted with you and they ain't about the drama. Um, and they're just such genuine loving people. And that's all you need in a friendship. Totally. It's great that you were able to build that tribe after having this really, really huge impactful transition in your life. Mm -hmm. So now I'm here and, and please let me know if I'm jumping the gun. I'm just so excited to know about these transitions into your life. But at this point, when do you then cultivate craft, onward, versatility, and lifestyle that we know as COVL, like Koval? Like that, well, every time I read it, I'm like, <laughs> made by Koval. <laughs> please, please tell me about it. Where did that, where did that come from? And was it at this time when that you created it? When did it happen? Yeah, I think the moments I I was always trying to because Koval meant something else in my in my mid in my early twenties. It was a different, completely different concept, and but it spoke true to that time of my life. And but I really loved you know when you think about branding and you think about design, you know the the wittiness or like the the. I, what's the word that I'm looking for? But when you look at a word, it's so short-fitted and you remember it all the time. So I was always trying to think of something as I transitioned into New York and into, into art. I'm like, I want to keep this and the identity is going to change, but I want to keep this. I want to keep Cobal. I love, I love the way it sounds and I love the way it makes me feel because it has history. Um, but I'm in a different place now. Like I'm in New York. I'm, I'm really pursuing art 24-7 what does it mean to me? And so how I came about those four things is I really had to take that time to soul search even more than I already did and understanding what are the things that I want to bring to the table as an artist, because when you think of art and when you think of artists, you know, the question is what makes you so different from everybody else or what is your story? What is your style? And it really begins with what does it, what do you bring to the table? And so those are the four things that I feel personally, rootedly and very wholeheartedly that I represent as an artist and that I bring to the table, whether it's my projects, whether it's my side projects, or whether it's just me as a person, um, but also gives me the flexibility to expand and dabble in many mediums without just being strictly digital. And that's why I kind of went from just being, you know, digital artist and multidisciplinary now because I'm not just under the digital umbrella. I'm moving into a more physical space. I'm doing murals. Um, and this year I'll, I'll do more physical pieces and art canvases and stuff. So it's, it's always been like, what are the four things that I can castellate as a person and that can carry my legacy until the wheels fall off. And I felt like those four things were that. I mean, speaking of you transitioning into multi, multidisciplinary, multimedia, you do a lot of things, you're more than a computer artist, a digital artist, you use your hands. That's why I love the word craft, because mm. I think it could be misconstrued with arts and crafts, which that's fine if it is. But just even the way it reminds me of how I discovered you last year. I mean, I was, I was in a rabbit hole, I was in a rabbit hole, trying to look for somebody for the CalPAC event 
And I know that we needed an artist. I knew it needed to be in New York. My, my resources in New York are very small and I wanted to find a female artist and it was digging, digging, digging. I can't even tell you the, the journey it took, but what I appreciated about discovering you was craft, which to me translates into skill which is why I'm so enamored by watching your process through the course of over a year now that I've known you even virtually, that I see you honing onto your skill every day. And it's really exciting for me also as a female creative that you are practicing this every, 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 every day. What motivates you to do that? Because, so do you live alone? I live alone too, girl. And I <laughs> I really like it at this moment in my life. I, yes. I, I love watching your videos of you dancing in front in front of your fireplace. I love that you're working until three, four and four in the morning. I I relate. I relate. But that comes from within, right? Like that that motivation comes from within. Um, where do you where do you get that? How do you hype yourself up? Well, first of all, thank you. That's, that's so tight to know that's how the opportunity came to fruition. Because um, we, as people, we always wonder, like, how, how, do they, how do they come to find out? Or, you know, there's always other artists probably wondering, how did they get the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. Um, so thank you for doing that and for giving me the opportunity. I had so much fun that day and meeting all the women and the team, so incredible. Um, but what I would say is that at the end of the day, like, no, like no one else in my family is writing this, you know? And I not saying that I have a lot of weight on my shoulders, but I do, I personally take a lot of responsibility into account when it comes to this. Um, you know, I, I saw my father hustle. Um, he was a single parent. He took care of me. He worked two jobs and and still every Friday he made time for me to go to Walmart and we, he would be like, pick a Barbie, you know, like that was his love language, you know, and just he, that was him saying, Hey, I'm here, I'm working hard. And this is how we can celebrate that hard work is to let you know that you're safe and you're good. Here's a Barbie, you know, and that that's something that I've always taken with me is that hustle and that mentality of all or nothing going back to that again. But at the end of the day, that's what drives me is that um, no one in my family is writing that narrative. And I feel like I have a responsibility to do so. Um, not just for my family, for those that are always watching and constantly searching for that, that sign or that sense of inspiration or that need, or they feel like they can't. I want to let them know that they can. Um, I, I go against a lot of odds on a daily basis. Um, so th those are the things that constantly keep me going. Like I, I bear a lot of responsibility and, th and that's something that I do on my own, but that's the fuel to my fire that allows me to keep going and that hunger and that drive. And, and I, and again, I'm just so in love with what I'm doing that I, I really can't imagine myself doing anything else. And the thought that maybe I would have to do something else is what like scares me. It makes me be like, no, I have to work harder because I want to do this the rest of my life. And and I really love it. And I love what it's done in the meantime, within the six years of connecting with people and, and working with certain brands and expanding those horizons and going from just digital art to now murals and art direction and um, 
everything that I've been given and been able to do so far has just been a testament of just hard work and, and not allowing myself to quit just because it's hard. If it's hard, it's a good thing. And that's what keeps me going. I was so impressed that at the stage that I had met you last year, that you had Ashley mm -hmm. in your corner. I remember, I remember taking a break from shooting content that night, going over to your guys' table and just telling you how much I love this camaraderie between girlfriends because I remember I, we talked to Ashley first and she was like, she knew you like, she was this barrier. It's like, before you get to Deanna, you, get, you, you have to go through me. Can you tell me about that relationship and how that happened and how having having that person that somebody that has your back like that has opened up doors for you and possibly even organized the way that you run your business? Yeah, I mean, Ashley was and still is the biggest blessing to my life, both on a personal level and on a business level. Um, I've known Ashley for a very long time. We were in the same, you know, group of friends in Miami. And um, a lot of people, you know, coin her as an OG and, and she is the OG, um, respectfully, you know? And uh, I always looked up to her. I just thought that the way she carried herself and who she is as a woman and how um, she's able to walk in a room and people know it and respect it was really inspiring to me and, and really made me realize that that um, women in, in any industry can obtain that same level of respect and integrity uh, without losing who they are and, and, and their identity. And so once I moved here to New York, I had to figure out a way to scale who I was as an artist. And I knew that immediately that I couldn't do it alone, especially in the landscape that it was known as New York. I knew I needed a powerhouse. I knew I needed someone that was gonna ride this thing with me until the wheels fall off, you know. And I remember seeing her at a at a mutual friend's like going away party, and I was showing her this project that I was working on um, for a brand during Coachella, and she's like, "Oh, this is awesome. Are they flying you out? Are they doing an activation with you?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, no." And she's like, "Why?" And I'm like, because, you know, I'm, I'm doing this by myself. Like, you know, I'm handling my contracts. I was doing admin work. And then, and then on top of that, I was doing design and creative. So by the time I got to the creativity part, I just wanted to get the project done. I wasn't even thinking outside of that. And so she's like, well, let's meet up. Let's have coffee or something. And I'm like, okay. And me playfully, it was like, you know, what's your fee? Like, what's your consulting fee? You know, just being playful. And she's like, well, let's meet up for coffee. And I remember like, making a list because I wanted to meet up with her and I want to respect her time, but I also wanted to let her know that these are the things that I wanted in a manager or someone to be in my corner. Like these are the things. And we had that coffee day and literally the rest was history. Like, um, there's a lot of things that Ashley and I are so similar on. And I think that's what makes it so harmonious in a lot of ways is we, we understand that this is the goal that we're trying to obtain. Um, and our communication is great. 
and just who we are as people and who we are as women. Like we want to get shit done and we want to do it professionally. We want to do it respectfully and we want to do it efficiently and effective. So it's, it's where we've always been on the same page as that. And when you think on a personal level, like she has in a lot of ways become a big sister to me and she has taught me a lot of ways to handle myself accordingly, whether that's just being an artist or being a person. And, and that has transpired into the, the business side of things. So I'm very fortunate to have someone like Ashley in my corner. And, and I don't even say that because she might be listening to this. It's just that is the God honest truth that the moment I met Ashley and she decided to take on a managerial role um, was a moment that Kobo really became something special. And I'll always be thankful. I'm just going to have a talk with God later and ask (laughs) help me to find this person. But no, I mean, in all honesty, I felt that. I felt that from both of you, uh, from that first conversation with Ashley, but also meeting you guys in real life. I really did feel that. It is, it is such a blessing to have that. I'm sure, I'm sure you both can harp on how much you guys mean to each other. It's, it's, it's inspiring watching that relationship happen and having that person that is like holding you accountable and treating your business like a business. Because when you said earlier, you talked about like your family being a freelance, like why would you, why would you do that? Why would you wait from job to job to get your next paycheck? Why, Why would you do that? Having someone like Ashley, but also having the experience knowledge that you have allows you to continue the that that onward motion so now with Koval how are you how are you then getting these jobs these bigger jobs PS1 Nike Coachella how does that all happen I mean honestly I cannot think of my success without thinking about Ashley uh she's played a huge role in that and um it, it wasn't in instances where she brings work. It's more so her relationships with the people within those within those clients and brands. Um, Ashley has a has really great relationships with the people that we worked with so far, and um, I think it's just a matter of them knowing that she represents an artist, and if they have a certain opportunity in mind, they're like, "Oh, let me reach out to Ashley because I know Ashley is well versed in this area, and maybe she knows someone she can recommend." And then in turn, it's she's like, "Oh, I have an artist," and then it just becomes this really organic connection that she's been able to implement throughout all these relationships and brand opportunities that I've gotten so far. Um, And also it's a mix between that and also just a mix of showcasing who I am day in and day out. You know, I, I hold a lot of love with my, my platform and I feel like I am as true and authentic as I can be on my platform. And everything you see on there is simply what I want to see more of in the world. And, and I think when brands and companies see that they want a part of that as well, because um, when you think of artists and when you think of creatives, we are essentially another form of influencing and an influencer. And we have an audience that speaks to certain topics and things that are going on in the world right now. And um, what, what's a perfect way to to attribute or to create a message when you know by collaborating with an artist? So it's a mix between building what I want to see in the world and also a mix between actually just having great relationships with these brands. I think now we've reached the craft 
we've talked about onward. I want to talk about briefly versatility. So the multimedia part of this, and then bridging that with these commissioned projects that you have, and then the personal work that you have. What do you, do you have a certain process? I've I've read some, you know, I did my research. Yeah. I've read some, uh, you know, some ways in which you wake up in the morning and you have a morning routine. I've I've read how you close out your day and you know what time you go to bed, but as an artist who is a business, who has the sense of huge influence, like you said, what do you have, do you have a certain process of how to kind of keep this versatility going from mural to digital work to painting at 3am? What do I mean, I think, you know, at this point, what all I want to do is just keep you know, that childlike mentality at the forefront of it all. And I, I think that's how my versatility aspect of that comes through is that um, I, I I don't want to just, and it sounds really, I don't know what the word is, but I don't want to just stick to one thing, you know, when I can explore and do many things. And that's where my childlike mentality comes in. Like, I don't, I don't want to just paint. I want to build. I don't want to just build. I want to you know, I want to direct. And I don't just want to direct. I want, you know, I want to let my childlike imagination just run wild. And I think the versatility is where that really shines through is, and it shines through through these projects, you know, doing, you know, set, you know, set design from Moa PS1 or doing uh, a mini little design collab with Nike or, you know, painting murals or even painting on canvases. Like, this is really just my inner child running wild and allowing me to express that unapologetically. Um, and, and that process has morphed and evolved throughout the, throughout the years. And whereas before I had a set kind of way of being, now it's more so like, you know, my mornings are dedicated to me because after 9 a.m., that's when brands start picking up and start emailing. And so I dedicated a certain time to myself just to check in, see how I'm feeling, make sure I'm good, because when I'm about to embark on, I'm not going to have time or the mental capacity to really feel myself. I need to feel the project and I need to feel that creativity. So I, I really, I really commend it to my inner child and, and having that flexibility. In that. I dig this child, childlike mentality. Hmm. It's, I think it's funny when you're a kid and you're so unhinged and you're so I'll ride roller coasters, I'll draw on walls. I will, I'll, I'll jump off of, Oh my gosh. The other day we were, uh, me and my friends, we were swinging on the swing and we were hyping our friend up. Cause you know, when you're swinging on a swing and you jump off when you're at your highest, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And it's, but he eventually did it. But as an adult, you're thinking about consequences more. Yep. You're you're like, wait, do I have the health insurance for this? Or wait, I'm not trying to get sick. Or exactly, that's crazy. That, that's so true. We do start to think a lot, a lot more about the action, like the cause and effect of things. You really yeah. think about that. Whereas the children, they're just like, I'm going, bye, and they just are off. And yep. what happens happens. And I, I get it. I get it. Now we we make these very instinctual decisions. We are smarter now. We know that there are these outcomes and whatnot. But I think when you are talking about it and you're relating it into the formula of your process and your work, that's where it can shine the most. Obviously, with life decisions, we're not playing around over here. But 
with your work and how you are going, how you're going about achieving versatility in all of the projects that you have, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. So now I want to talk about lifestyle, the last leg. I did not mean for it to, you know, relate to Koval, but we're here and we're, it's relating to you in all the ways. I am all for it. (laughs) Um, You talked about, you talked about spirituality, meditation, taking that time within yourself. I am, I'm 31 years old. In just in the past few years, I've learned how to do that. I've mm-hmm. taken meditation very seriously because we live alone. We've created these moments in our mornings, in the middle of our day, and at nighttime to figure out a routine that gets us going and gets us moving. Was there anybody in particular who taught you that? Did you come up with these, you know, with these routines yourself? Mm-hmm. What, because I know that in my childhood, meditation, no. mental health. What? What is that? <laughs> no, no, no. You're just, you're just sad. You'll get over it tomorrow. It'll be, it's gonna be okay. Don't be dramatic. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I really have to say that my, my good friend Kat, um, Catherine Latigua, she has her organization called Goddess Council um, and Goddess Council is a community for women. And this this sisterhood essentially taps into mental health, it taps into spirituality, it taps into ways to cope with the current times, um, but also creating that community where you feel safe and able to express and release. And so I've learned a lot of what I know now because of her and just her leading by example and me just really swooning over her and really loving her, like loving her as she is and what she's brought to the community organically and genuinely and seeing how she does that with the community has taught me a lot. And um, she was the one to introduce me to journaling. She was the one to introduce me into therapy. Um, she was the one just to introduce me to communicating when I'm not feeling okay. And, you know, cause I, I deal with mental health issues. And so having someone like her taught me a lot. And she is the reason why I've implemented these rituals into my morning time. And, and I really hope that everyone in the world has a friend like Kat that's able to teach them how to love yourself, how to you know, tap into yourself and communicate how you're feeling, but also take time to practice that self-love. So I, I really owe a lot of that to Kat, like hands down, Kat's the one. It is very important to have somebody like Kat. Shout out to Kat. Yep. Because you, I feel like for people who maybe don't, don't know about that type of work when you're a kid, you do need somebody to kind of introduce it to you. For sure. Because it could be scary. It could even be scary to even talk about mental health or be like, do I have these things? But I, it's funny. I, I took this from your website and your about section. There's a little snippet that says embraces the inner workings of overcoming health stigmas with the use of color and imagination. To me, that gives your work even more of a rich meaning to the color choices that you make, to the mark making, to the typography, to the lettering. I think it it all encompasses everything that you've shared with me as a part of your story. And I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you because 
you are somebody that I really look up to. Wow. That is uh, an example. I told you you're a reference, but I want to ask you, how do you want to be remembered in history as somebody with influence? Wow. I did it. I did it. I asked the question. You broke, you broke the code. <laughs> you did it. It just had to happen. That's, that's such, wow, that question. Cause that's something that I've been asking myself a lot lately. I've, I've been questioning, you know, with my, my current relationship with social media, I've been thinking about the legacy that I want to leave. And I mean, I think it's just as rooted and as humble as I can put it. Just, I, I just, I, I think that if I was to die tomorrow, I think I just want to let people know that that as, as corny and cliche and repeat as it sounds, that it is possible, you know, like, um, you know, one day I'll probably tell my story, you know, throughout, but like as someone as me, as a kid that grew up the way that I grew up in a traumatic household, um, as someone that didn't have a childhood, as someone who experiences a lot of PTSD and depression, like these are, these are things that we battle day in and day out. And it does feel like our dreams and our goals are not obtainable or we have too much to combat or the odds are against us. But I, I fight with this day in and day out. And I genuinely feel that all I want to do if I was to leave the mark on this world is just to let people know or let that girl know, let that boy know that is growing up in the same kind of household that I did, that it's going to get better. And it's merely up to you to make that decision to, to really go for what you want to do. And I think, I think that's that. I don't want nothing more. I don't think too much pressure, too much pressure to want anything more, you know, like I, I can't cure things and I can't cure, you know, I, I would wish for world peace. Obviously I would love world peace right now, you know, but I think if I can control anything, it's just to let people know the possibilities are there. You, you just said the word control and I was just thinking about it as you were, as you were speaking because even though there are a lot of things in this world we cannot control, especially as of late, the things that you can control is what you're res- there. The things you can control are the things that you are responsible for right. and the things that you are responsible for, the things that you're making and the things that you're doing and the person that you are to other people. So I think with no pressure at all, you're literally just being yourself. And, and that is enough of an example for people to look at you and be like, oh, I, I can do it. I can do it. That's, that's, that's all I want. That's just a, just the same way my dad did for me. He led by example, cat led by example. And that's all I want to do is just lead by example. Yes. Well, you're doing it. And thank you. That's why here we are. And I think (laughs) with that being said, we're ready for the rapid fire questions, the are you that somebody rapid fire questions. Let's go. Don't think about it. Just say a name. The first name that comes to mind, we're just going to go. Okay. Who is somebody who makes you laugh? Ariel. Who is somebody you can call any time of the day? Felix. Who is somebody you're in love with? Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get shy. Don't get shy. 
Who is somebody who deserves the spotlight? Cat. Who is somebody you wish to meet one day? Oh, mine drew a blank. What? You know, there's a lot. Who oh, I want to meet? Who would you want to meet? Dead or alive? My Dead or alive? Yes. Yeah. Alexander McQueen. Alexander McQueen. Have you seen the documentary? You know what? To be honest, it didn't do it justice. But it, it would never. It, it would, would never. never do it justice. But it would never. Yeah. Okay. Somebody you're proud of. My my niece, my eleven year old niece. She's great. Okay, amazing. She's she's a swimmer and she's also in STEM class in STEM school. And I just recently learned she got all A's. That's a big accomplishment. Did you say eleven? Eleven. Does that mean she's in middle school? Yeah, she's like in one of those like STEM class, like STEM schools is like one of those like all your courses are AP and like no, no. I would never, I could never I, ever in my life do that. Well, I never did. So never did. I didn't even know what it was. So that's that's how you know I, I never did because I never knew. <laughs> um, it's not. It was not granted to me. No one gave me the option. So that's okay. Yeah. Shout she's, out to your niece. Thank you. That's amazing. I have one last question. You told me, and I'm so I'm so honored that you told me about your dad, your relationship with your dad, with Kat, with Ashley, with your tribe, your sisterhood, with these people. I'm sending you a scarf, a somebody to me scarf. But I wanted to ask if you could send somebody a scarf on. I will send some a somebody a scarf on your behalf. Who would it be and why? I mean, I just, at the, it just comes to mind. I just really like Kat, like she, she recently just took a leap of faith this year. She's working the organization full time. Um, but she does it with so much empathy and so much love and so much care and, and, and gentleness. Like I, I feel like someone like that just, I wish the world can see what I see day in and day out. So I mean, I would, I would give it to Kat and that's why she's just a total badass. Great. We will, we will definitely send it to Kat. Thank you. Thank you so much, Deanna. That was, that was that. That was that? Wow. I had so much fun. I appreciate your time and for, uh, you know, allowing me the space to, you know, speak on these things and um, so excited for you and continue to do the good work. Goodness. Thank you. I, I am so excited for this to have been documented and to talk about these things as well. So I appreciate you. The world appreciates you. (laughs) So amazing. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Somebody To Me podcast. Don't forget to follow the Somebody To Me Instagram. That's spelled S-M-B-D-Y, the number two, M-E. And tag us on your post or DM us with any thoughts you may have. Please like and subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're listening from. I'm Sam Dannon, and thank you for being somebody to me.